right, welcome to another exciting episode of Adulting Poorly. God, I love that intro music. Um, this has been kind of a crazy week and a half, two weeks. Uh, first of all, the fact that I'm working right now makes everything much more difficult to just stop and do this whenever I want to, as I did before. So these are going to be kind of at a weird cadence for a while, especially given that coming into the next couple of weeks, it's going to be Mother's Day and then birthday season. So... Um, just look out for the updates that come on Facebook. Um, been a really, really weird week or a couple of weeks. So first we had the NFL draft, which we're going to get into, uh, a little bit. Um, but also just weird happenings around me as a person. Let me give you an example. I was in a Safeway, uh, minding my own business as I do. We all know that's not true. I get involved in everything. Uh, but I get done getting just some basic things just for baking to make some more cookies. Cause that's what I do now. I just make cookies. Um, and, uh, I stopped, got a coffee cause they have the Starbucks inside. And as I'm leaving this, I see this kid, this little boy, and he's standing on the opposite side of his mom. Who's in a checkout lane and she's driving. She's got one of those carts that has the kid, car on the front of it so it's like the extra long cart and there's two little girls in there and so this kid's in the front so he's literally outside of the checkout stand his mom is still in the checkout stand but she's a good six feet away from him because of the space constraints of this cart not to mention that uh you're in a like an aisle or you're in the checkout so there's no space to actually get to him if he does anything so this fucking kid just drops trow and shoves his ass into the window of this cart, and his sister starts just they just start wailing on his butt, just beating it like it's a speed bag. And his mom immediately starts to panic. Like, holy shit, stop that! Pull up your pants! And this kid is like, No, I'm not pulling up my pants! No, not till they hit me in the hole! And she's like frantically trying to get past this cart. Like, she understands this kid has all the power right now. He can do whatever she wants because the only way she can get to him is if she jumps up on the checkout stand and then dives over the cart and tackles this little bastard to stop him. She's fucking screaming at him to stop. And he's like, no, no, no. Not till they punch me in the hole. Like, and these girls are just wailing on his ass. So this is not... The first time this has happened. This is the game they play at home all the time. But the fact that it's now transpiring inside of a grocery store. This mom is losing her shit. And collectively, everyone at the same time pops out their cell phone. Like, I am filming this shit. And I think everyone had the same realization at the same time. I, like, I pulled out my phone and then put it away almost immediately. Because I was like, nope, you can't film a bare naked kid that is not yours. That is like jail getting ready to happen that's just that's the way that's gonna be um so i walked past this kid and i'm like like your style bro and just kept watching to which the the mom just gave me a look like fucking really really dude where's the help here where's the village to help me you're gonna fucking just push my kid forward like dude you should if this is who you are if this is your bliss if this is your happiness be you bro Fuck, she was so upset. Uh, I had to leave because I was laughing so hard that I thought I was going to tinkle right there in my pants. 
so bad. That was the start of the week. Things went south shortly thereafter. So uh, this was the day of the draft, uh, which we're going to get into again more later. But that kind of started the weirdness for me. And the draft kind of solidified how weird everything was going to be. Fast forward to this last weekend. We go to this restaurant called Vivi Pizza. And it's down like in the Woodenville Wine District. Um, uh, not horrible, not great either. It's just like, hey, it's pizza. Um, it's that old saying, like, pizza's like sex. Even bad sex is still kind of good. Just like bad pizza is still kind of good. Anyway, so we go down there, and not even thinking, it's sunny out. So everybody and their fucking mother is out having wine because that's what you do when it's just a hair sunny out in Washington. So uh, I have to drop off the girl and the wife and let them go inside while I find a parking spot that's probably a mile away. It wasn't a mile away, but it felt like that. Um, And park in this gravel lot and then come back. And as I'm coming back, I'm crossing the street like you're supposed to at the crosswalk. I even had a fucking flag in my hand because they have these little flags to let people know that you're walking across. In this fucking Jagger Muffin from Idaho. And the only reason I know this is because his license plate nearly careened into me. Uh, sees me walking across the street and fucking guns it at me. I'm in flip-flops. So I have to flip, 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 flip away from this guy. And then try at my damnedest to fucking hit the side of his truck with this stupid flag. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't even acknowledge that I was there. Not even like a honk, fuck you, why'd you try to hit my truck? Nothing. Just went about his merry way as if he didn't just almost commit a murder. Fucking unbelievable. So I'm like, okay, this is not a good sign. This is the universe telling you to get back in the car and just drive away. So I go up, meet everybody. We're waiting for our seats. I hear my favorite thing when you have a reservation, which is your table's not ready yet. The people are just lingering. Well, it's not our fault that people are lingering. And in fact, it's not their fault either. If you're overbooked, you're overbooked. But figure it the fuck out. So they found us this little, I guess you could say like a bench area that overlooks the parking lot. But not like a big table either. It's just, it's like two two by fours right there. So you barely have enough room to put a plate on. And I even asked, because I thought I was going to order a pizza, like, hey, is this big enough for a pizza? And she was like, oh, you're getting pizza. And just walked away. And I was like, fuck it, whatever. So we're sitting there, and I'm trying not to be grouchy, but I'm, I'm already at that point. I'm being a dickhead in my mind, and I know it. Uh, so I'm looking over the menu, and I decide, you know, like, hey, do I want pasta? Do I want pizza? Do I want pasta? Do I want pizza? And they had a carbonara pizza. And for those who don't know, pasta carbonara is one of my favorite things to order because it is noodles. There is egg. There is the yolk. There's pancetta. There's peas. It is fucking delicious. All together in this creamy sauce. And that that egg yolk really pulls everything together. Um, It adds a creaminess and texture to the noodles that... Anyway, it's one of my favorites. So I figured, hey, what? fuck it. Let's see what they come up with. Um, what I didn't notice on the menu, though, is that the pizza both had pancetta and bacon. Which, by the way, is just saying bacon, bacon. It's like, hey, here's your Italian bacon and your regular bacon. Here's your bacon, bacon. 
So I get the pizza. Um, it was probably like a 45 minute wait. It was way too long to get two pizzas and a bowl of pasta. Like really was. So they bring it out and the reason I was interested in carbonara is because this actually will have an egg on top of it. And me, I think if you've ever heard me talk about food, the number one thing I say for anything is that it can always be improved by an egg. Almost 100% of the time. Think of something that's not dessert and say, okay, I love this food. Now put a hard-boiled egg on there. No, hard-boiled, sorry. Put an over-easy egg on top and tell me that it's not improved after that. To me, almost 100% of the time. So pizza, egg, you got it. They bring it out. The The egg is not cooked. It's it's like a hint of white around the edges and then everything else is raw. So they basically just put a raw egg on there and send it out. And I was like, yeah, no. I'm, I'm No, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. Like, this is not steak tartare. I, I honestly thought this would be cooked more. Can you just please take it back and put it under the salamander? Just for like, or the heat lamp for just, just like, 30 seconds. That's all it needs in order to come up to temperature. That's it. And she was like, okay, I guess. But they, the cooks say this is cooked. And I was like, um, the fact that somebody had to question it before you brought it out makes me think that it is not fucking cooked. Because someone else said the same goddamn thing. But you brought it out anyway because you were panicked. Whatever. So they sent it back. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, there's no way this doesn't come out as the thickest hardest thing on the face of the earth. Like it is going to be the equivalent of like a 13 minute egg when they bring it back out. They're just dense. Like you could throw it through a window. It's so dense. Uh, and sure as shit is they brought it back out. Fucking just this overcooked egg on top. No yolk, no nothing now. Just this solid piece of egg. Um, and also it's, Looked at like the, because they cooked it for so much longer, it rendered more of the fat of the pancetta, which by the way looked more like pork belly than anything else, and the bacon. So now it's this grease bucket of egg, cheese, and uber salty meats. So I'm like, you know, fuck it, I'm hungry now. Like I'm starving. I gotta eat a piece of this. I bite into it, and it is so salty. That I almost spit it out. And for anybody that knows or has eaten with me, I, I like salty things. That's my jam. This was so salty I couldn't even put it, like, couldn't even finish the bite I had. So I had to find on every slice of pizza, like a one inch thick area that I could cut out that was in between the crust, which was burnt. And the actual center of the pizza where this fucking egg and all the salt had collected. And then pick off all the pancetta. So basically, I just had a one-inch circle that I ate of cheese pizza. And it wasn't good. So I had maybe, like, equivalent, like, at one slice of pizza out of this whole fucking pizza. So... I do what every white person does who's entitled and frustrated with how they're being served. I went straight to Yelp. Started typing up my review. Like, hey, top five worst pizzas I've ever had. This is one of them. Right as I start doing that, the waitress walks by. And she sees that I have moved my pizza away from me. And she asked me if I want to box it up. And I was like, absolutely not. Uh, I'm sorry, but... This is like one of the five worst pizzas I've ever had in my life. And went into every reason why. It's burnt. It doesn't even taste like there's yeast in the crust. 
Uh, I went into the salt issue, the egg. Like I said, the whole fucking thing is wrong. Like it's just, it's bad. Like you should just, you should have a warning on this pizza that's like, there's more salt in here than any human should ever ingest. And oh, by the way, it's either going to come with a raw egg or a completely overcooked egg, one way or the other. Um, and she was like, oh, well, did you want me to make you another one? Uh, no, I don't want another pizza. I don't want another bad pizza. That doesn't, that doesn't solve for the issue I'm at right now. I'm still hungry, but apparently if you add that much salt into your system, it reduces your hunger pains almost immediately. Um, but why would I want another bad pizza? That just doesn't make sense. Not to mention, there's no way that that pizza is not fucked with by every cook that's back there because you've complained now twice. Like, somebody's taking a shit on my pizza. That's literally the only way you can think about that. But And I was just frustrated. No, I don't want it. I don't want any more to do this. I just want my bill. But she sees that I'm also typing a review. And she kind of freaks out a little bit. Is there any way I can... Anything I can do to get you to stop from posting that review? Very desperate. Like... Almost to the point of, I'll suck your dick, I swear to God, I'll suck your dick if you just don't write a review. I was like, no, there's no way I'm not writing a review. That's happening. Like, it's posting right now. I can't. There's nothing. I was then informed by my wife, after this woman walked away nearly in tears, that uh, I was being a fucking asshole. Which, yes. But, you married this, so that's on you. You said yes. Anyway, um... So yeah, like I, I was like, no, fuck them. This is like everything that's gone wrong. And she's like, no, this girl really believes that she's fucked up. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fair. So I edited like my comments that, Hey, the service was good, but the food was fucking horrible. And when she came back, I was like, Hey, look, you gotta know there's, this is nothing about you. It's not on you. The fucking food is just shit. Like, that's not your fault that you're serving a bad product. You don't know that unless you're taking a bite of my pizza and you're like, Okay, it's good, and then bringing it out. You're not doing that. You guys are busy. You're slammed. And rather than, like, put yourself in, or I should say, rather than taking the time to make the food correctly, you're putting yourself in a bigger hole because now things are being sent back. Regardless, I was like, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's just the food itself. So, kind of tears averted. I look over at Olivia, and you can see that she has a lot of questions going on in her head. Like... Um, what the hell's happening? Why are you being such a jerk to this lady? Like, there's a teachable moment in here that I'm going to have to go through. So, uh, we pay, and they removed the pizza off there, which was the right thing to do, but they removed it. I wound up tipping her pretty well, and then also writing on the receipt, I'm sorry for being such an asshole. Like, I I apologize probably way more than I should have. Anyway, so, we leave, and I'm thinking, this bad night is over i need now need to tell olivia that in this scenario that i think everyone was wrong i was wrong they were wrong whatever before i have a chance to do that i look over and there is a woman blacked out in the parking lot and not blacked out like just passed out on the ground sleeping like blackout drunk where her eyes are open but her body is no longer working like the body is like, we need to shut down, and the brain's like, I think we got a little bit more. Let's give it a shot. Um, and she's like leaned up against two of her friends who don't seem to give a shit what condition her friend is in. 
So now I feel obligated to go over and help. So I, my wife goes, hey, are you going to go over there? I was like, yeah, I'm going over there. So I walk over. I'm like, hey, guys, I used to be a medic. It was a long time ago, but is there anything I can do? And before I can say help, this dude turns around and he goes, we fucking got it, bro. It's okay. And I was like, uh, it doesn't look okay. Your friend is literally passed out in the parking lot. And then the woman standing next to him goes, we've already called an ambulance. We don't need your help. And I was like, well, fine. Fuck you then. Like, again, there's an eight-year-old over here watching all of my actions, but I'm not taking that into consideration. So I turn around and walk away, and I don't see this third woman that's there who is literally just a talking box of wine because she's so fucking hammered. So I start walking away, and she comes running after me, screaming for help, but she's zigzagging so hard she probably ran the length of a football field. Like she scored a fucking touchdown trying to get to me who was just 20 feet away. So she finally gets to me, and I'm like, uh... Yeah, what can I do for you? And she's got like this bleach blonde hair, the big aviator sunglasses, and she cannot complete like a full thought. The only thing I could get out of her was, nobody cares about my friend, who by the way I kind of know, she didn't say that she knew them or not, like she kind of knows them. So I'm guessing that they met at a winery and just started drinking together and now they're the best friends ever. To which I responded, fuck your friend, let her die. Again, there is an eight-year-old right next to me taking all of this in. So I'm like, okay, look, let me talk you off a cliff here. Here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that she's getting water and that she doesn't fall asleep. Okay? She cannot fall asleep. Even if you take that water and throw in her face, she can't fall asleep. Go back there and tell your friends... This is what you're doing. You're going to give her some water until the ambulance shows up. And you got to make sure that she's not falling asleep because those two people don't give a fuck about her. And she's like, okay, I got it. Like I gave her direction. Like, here's what you're going to do. So she stumbles back over there. I go to leave. So now I've got to turn around and grab Olivia's hand. And I'm like, okay, so let's talk about a few things here. So daddy in the restaurant was probably really wrong about everything that he said. And she was like, yeah, you were kind of mean to that lady. And I was like, I wasn't trying to be mean to her. I was just trying to help her understand that it wasn't her fault. It's the the food's fault. And she goes, I know, but you almost made her cry. And I was like, great, I'm getting guilted by a fucking eight-year-old. Okay, fair enough. And she goes, and, um, well... Why did you tell that woman you said that bad word and then that she should go die? And I was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I was more upset about uh, how they handled everything. That her friends were basically not telling anyone that help was okay or help was, you know, that they didn't want any help or anything. Um, I was I was probably very wrong about that, but I feel confident and how I handled the situation. <laughs> to which she kind of looked at me like, no dude, you did not handle any situation today well. As an eight-year-old, I can see you did not handle any of this well. So, <laughs> we can hear the ambulance coming. And I was like, that made me feel better. Like, there's an ambulance coming now to help. Which made Olivia feel better. And the whole drive home was talking about, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. That... Bitch was drunk as hell. Like, she was fucking f- super fucked up. Um, 
And eventually, one day in your life, you may be in that position or you may be around someone in that position. Uh, if someone's trying to help, you let them help. Okay? That's number one. You don't push people away. Uh, but number two, try your hardest never to be that girl. Know your limits. Know your limits. Um, again, there's like a thousand teachable moments in this one little thing that happened. Like, And I was trying to convince... Like, my biggest message was... Less about me being an asshole, more about her not being a drunk fucking idiot, which I think, honestly, between the two is probably more important as a teaching moment, because I don't mind if she grows up and she becomes an asshole. That's fucking fine with me. Uh, but I don't want her to be a drunk fucking moron that's blacked out in the middle of a goddamn parking lot and think that's okay. Like, those are sensible life choices. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually completely okay with the way that turned out. All right. That was, yeah, that's just a little section of the shit that happened uh, over a, a nice seven to eight day period. Uh, the draft. Let's just get into it real fast. There's a lot of people that have been pinging me on the side about um, why we didn't do certain things. Like, there are certain, what people perceive as being superstars still left on the board. Uh, you had Montez Sweat, who is a freak of nature. You know, he runs a 4-4 at 260 pounds. But he also had what a lot of people considered to be a serious heart condition um, going into the draft. And a lot of people have taken them off their draft boards based on that. But, okay, if he was such a great prospect, why did he slide 26 places in the draft? Once considered to be a top ten, or top ten talent. And by the way, this is by draft evaluators who basically they're they're football guys. Some of them have actually been through this process. Some of them are just analysts who have never been through it. Um, so when you hear them talking about it, it's the same as if I were to say, "Hey, I think this guy's a pretty good prospect because I've done some studying." Uh, one thing that kind of hit me over this weekend was the repetitive information you keep getting from GMs, which is, "Hey." This is the guy we wanted, and here's the information we had, which is like a thousand times more information than I have, and probably a hundred times more information than most analysts have. So when you see what are potentially superstars, quote-unquote, dropping in the draft, uh, I'll use Montez Sweat as an example, Greedy Williams as an example. These Greedy Williams, was, at one point, was considered to be a top-ten talent. Um in fact, there was another cornerback that uh, the Giants drafted that was considered to be like a top 10 pick, and they got him by trading with the Seahawks back in and grabbing him, uh, trading back into the first round and grabbing him. Um, but again, everyone blown away by, oh my God, why did this person drop? Or how come the Seahawks, who needed a pass rushing end, didn't take a talent like Montez Sweat? And we drafted somebody, TJ Collier, that no one's ever heard about. No one knows anything about Mr. Collier. He's just a guy. I hate to say this. The Seahawks do this all the fucking time, right? If you look at their previous drafts, okay. Did anybody know who the fuck Bobby Wagner was when he drafted? The answer is no. You didn't know who the hell he was and you complained about it. Bruce Irvin, same thing. KJ Wright, same thing. Earl Thomas, you knew about. Okay. Cam Chancellor, no fucking clue. Richard Sherman, nope. Uh-uh. Shaq Griffin, nope. You can't say that you did, because you didn't. Puna Ford. Does anybody even know who Puna Ford is? Undrafted rookie free agent. 5'11", 320 pounds. Doesn't fit any mold. We picked him up after the draft. Anyway, it's what they do. They pick people that are not only coachable, they're uber competitive, and they fit 
what the Seahawks want to do. LJ Collier is a great example. He is Michael Bennett reincarnated. At least that's how people keep talking about him. He has fast twitch muscle movements, violent hands. And what that means is when people try to put hands on him, he is knocking them down. Um, and he's just, he's powerful off the edge. He's a big kid. He's over 280 pounds. So he can set the edge. He's good against the run. We actually did very shitty against the run last year. <laughs> First time in a long time, but we did very bad. So having someone else that's better against the run, because Frank Clark wasn't that great against it. And then if you have a tweener on the other side, like a, uh, what, Jacob Martin or... Uh, now we have Marsh back in the mix. Like These are smaller guys that are going to get pushed around if you're running towards that side, which means that you have to have a linebacker or somebody always over them uh, in order to make a play. So no surprise they took somebody that was very much a Seahawk and that no one else had known about, and also that they traded down a bajillion times to make more picks. They turned five picks into 12 picks and then eventually turned into 10 picks by when all was said and done. Um, so yes, I think it's a, it's for every, every single draft prospect, it's the same story. You have three years to see how they're going to turn out. In some cases, you only have one year. Like if you're Josh Rosen and you get traded to the fucking Miami Dolphins one year after being drafted in the top 10 and your franchise actually moved up to do that. That's a whole different story. Um, but you have three years to see how you perform with a specific team. And this is how the Seahawks do things. They draft, not for need, but for want. And then they build these people into a Seahawk. That's how they have managed everything over the last few years. Championship runs, you name it. Um, it's all about coaching. They're one of the few organizations that still believes heavily in coaching. The New England Patriots are another one. Uh, and I think uh, the Rams are starting to be that as well. But a lot of people just, it's like, we're dropping talent in, you guys go play. Uh, they coach a lot, uh, tackling, you name it. So there's that. Um, the second one is DJ Metcalf. Uh, this guy is a freak of nature. He ran a 4.3840, which for those who don't know, that's real fucking fast, especially for a guy that weighs 228 pounds. Now, the knock on Metcalf is he's very much a boomer bust. He is a straight-line receiver, which means he's going to be great if you're just running fly routes. He's just going our post route, fly route, doesn't matter. You're running towards the end zone, and we're throwing the ball to you. If we ask you to do underneath routes, which is like cut-ins into the middle, um, running levels, anything of that nature, then he's not your guy. He That's not where he, where he excels. He excels at just flat speed. Um, so if you want to look at him, he's kind of the anti Doug Baldwin and that sounds weird to say, but Doug Baldwin very much knows how to make people miss him. He knows how to sit in a zone. He knows how to create space. He knows how to get open. He knows how to get off the line without anybody touching him. And that is a talent all in itself. Metcalf is a guy that's like, as soon as you're a snap, he just fucking runs. I'm running. That's him. Uh, we drafted three other receivers as well and picked some up in the uh, some undrafted rookie free agents. Uh, a lot of that says a lot about uh, angry Doug Baldwin's future. So ADB may no longer be with the team given his injury history over the last year and a half. Uh, and he may not be able to get back on the field. That's just the reality. So I understand that we kind of made a need and 
I'll say a want pick. We viewed them as being, or we viewed him as being one of the better players in the draft. Uh, he did shoot up draft boards. I'm just hoping that that whole coaching theory comes back into it. Can you teach someone that has that much straight line speed to stop and then come back for a ball or stop and change directions? Uh, I get equated kind of to like a uh, a racing horse. If you ever wanted to beat a racing horse in a 50-yard dash, Make sure the race is set up that you go 25 yards down and 25 yards back. You don't have to be the fastest guy on the face of the earth. It's going to take a little bit of time for that horse to come up to a full canter and a long time for it to stop and even longer for it to turn around and then it's got to do the same thing to come back. Chances are you're going to win that race. They have to teach this race horse how to stop on a dime and turn around, uh, which I think is going to be kind of difficult, but I'm... Want to see if they don't do that and they say, hey, this guy's just a downfield threat and this is how we're going to use him. Fuck, I wonder what the offense is going to look like next year. Run, run, play action. Run, run, play action. Run, play action, play action. Like, there's a lot of opportunity to have him completely open up a defense downfield. Everyone's going to play closer to the line until the first time Metcalf catches like a 60-yard bomb because safeties were pulling up and they're like, yeah, this guy's a rookie. Now they've got to respect the fact that there's this gigantic man, the Batman suit, running down the field who can jump over them and stretch the field. Like, they have to respect that. So they've got to, you got to back up a little bit. So if you have them back up, and maybe you have someone else in the slot, um, could even be Tyler Lockett or more, going across the middle, now you have to have your linebackers back up a little bit, and that's going to do what? It's going to open up holes in your running game because now they're relying on their front three or front four to stop Chris Carson, which while we saw last year is very difficult to do if he gets a full head of steam behind him. That might also open up opportunities for Rashard Penny, which means that he's a little flexing out of the outfield, little dump passes, things of that nature. Like it can open up more. It'll be really interesting to see how uh, Brian Schottenheimer uses these new... um, tools that we have. Uh, the one interesting thing, though, is that we did not draft a tight end. We actually traded a conditional seventh-round draft pick to New England for Hollister, and I don't know a lot about him except for that he went to Wyoming and he was an up-and-coming player for New England, but um, of course they drafted a few tight ends as well. So I, 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 it's interesting to see what will be next and what moves will happen post-draft. I still think that we are looking for a tight end, so... Uh, think like uh, Kyle Rudolph from Minnesota. There's a chance that he will not be a Viking by the end of this year. Um, and then also from like who's going to be available, who's going to get cut, um, like defensive ends, defensive tackles, uh, maybe even slot wide receivers that are getting up in age. Um, Randall Cobb is one. I know that he just signed, I believe, with Dallas. Uh, maybe it's not Dallas. Regardless, we'll see who's going to get cut uh, by week three when rosters start to trim down and that we pick up. Um, it's going to be very interesting. This is going to be this is going to be an exciting year of football. Even if it's that we're we're starting a lot of rookies, similar to what we did in 2012, we're starting a lot of rookies to get them experience, uh, so they will then be long term pieces to the larger puzzle. Um, the two big ones you got to look at are Metcalf and. Collier, and side note, two 
pickups I really liked were the linebackers they drafted. Uh, they picked up the kid out of Utah who is a burner. He's very fast. He'll probably be um, a special teams guy or definitely backing up uh, KJ Wright um, or even Michael Kendrick until he gets back. Uh, and then the other is uh, our own UW linebacker. BKK, this kid, they picked him up in the fifth round. A lot of people saw him going higher, maybe in the third round. But he's also around 230 pounds, runs a 4-5, uses his speed a lot. But, and coming from UW, they play more of a cover two defense. So at least from um, picking up a defense, it should be fairly easy for him to understand the difference between cover three and cover two as far as his zone is concerned. Uh, he is going to be a special teams monster for a couple of years. And... Uh, I hate to say it this way, but I mean, if we can keep him around for three or four years, we might develop him into a uh, pseudo Bobby Wagner. He's not going to be the same guy, but he may play at a fairly high level. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's all in all a very good draft, very solid, and they did what they do, which is trade back, get more picks, get more people. And it's just a numbers game. The more people you get, the more mistakes you can make, and the more gems you can find. Uh, People that... Or I should say organizations that focus only on first-round talent are the ones that have a lot of boomer busts. A lot of busts. Well, it didn't work out. Guys who trade back, i.e. like the Seahawks and, again, the New England Patriots, find gems all over the draft because they do a lot of homework. And it's a numbers game. What are the odds you're going to find a really good player or a player that fits your system better if you're drafting 12 people versus 5? It's just numbers. All right, guys. A uh, lot coming on this weekend. Um... Doing some work on a house. Uh, Still trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with my truck. And then we'll discuss that all next week. Alright, talk to you later.